You're listening to Kevin's Oblast Radio. My name's Kevin. I'm your host on this July 26, 2013. Uh, so, finally got around to doing another Oblast. Um, I have had a few requests from some of you uh, to do some interviews. I will get around to doing that at some point. It's a little bit more difficult for me these days to sort of set something like, like that up because, you know, in the early days of doing this show as well as uh, video game news radio, uh... They had a job that either um, was a full-time consulting gig where I was home just about every day of the week uh, or I was um, working uh, three days a week and I had two days off um, during the week. Uh, th- that sort of thing made it easier to sort of schedule things around. Right now, because I've become a manager of uh, other people, hasn't just happened. I mean, I've been a manager for a couple of years now, but... Um, of a team of people. I mean, I work five days a week. I often work late into the evening. And now I have these dogs when I come home and all this other stuff that goes on. So it just makes it very difficult to sort of schedule something in order to get somebody on the on the uh, microphone and uh, do some interviews. Um, you know, I'm always looking for some way to like, I don't know, be independently wealthy. And then that way I could just uh, stay home and do this full time. And, you know, then it would be easier. But, uh, unfortunately, I have to go to work like everybody else. And that makes it a little bit difficult to, uh, you know, schedule things and put things together. So, it'll eventually happen. Uh, I'm just trying to um, situate some things and make things a little bit easier right now. And uh, I'm not quite there yet. Um, Still in the process of emptying out my mom's house. And it's a long, long process. The house... um, well, her estate is going into probate, and uh, I'm supposed to be named executor. I expect to be, uh, but at the moment, I'm not. So the house isn't up for sale yet, and the um, various things that I have to do, transfer car titles and uh, manager, like, you know, her affairs, basically. I can't do any of that at the moment until the court has determined that uh, I am worthy. I don't know. We're actually, you know, waiting on... My mom actually had a fairly complicated will. I mean, a lot of times you have some relatives and you leave things for them. Uh, In my mom's case, she left things for people in other countries. Uh, She left things to people in groups. Um, She just very made it very complex. And because it's very complex, it requires a lot of people to uh, mail back forms and things and get copies of wills. It's complicated. And it's not like my mom was some rich mastermind or anything. She just left a very complicated will. And I have to now deal with it. So that's how life is, I guess. Um, So, I don't know. I I had, like, some thoughts about North Korea I was going to talk about on this show. And, uh, you know, because there's been a lot going on in that regard. But I haven't really found sort of like the... uh, the smoking gun, so to speak, of what I'm trying to get across by talking about North Korea. Uh, So I wasn't really sure that would necessarily be a good topic at this point. I think that everybody's probably kind of sick of hearing about them. Um, But I have had some people kind of curious and asking me, you know, uh, how I thought things were going to progress now that they have this new leader over there. And the fact that they have, uh, you know, successfully launched a satellite in the orbit and have a rocket that pretty much could now land in uh, Hawaii, anyway, possibly Los Angeles. 
Um, and so what is the odds that they could basically slap a nuclear missile on there and fire that thing off and blow something up? So um, to kind of answer that, you know, based on everything I've read recently is the fact that um, I, I think, you know, North Korea, okay, the best way you can kind of understand it is that you have all of these generals who have a fairly large amount of power, except they don't have any money. Um, the the uh, Kim family, uh, they control the money in the city and the country proper. So that, um, you know, the funds in order to get people paid and to support everything goes straight through their family. They're like the bank. They decide who gets what and who gets paid for what, etc. So the thing is, is that, you know, these people in the military will set up things and do things that um, the family will fund. But I don't necessarily think the family always knows what the hell's going on. I mean, it's kind of like these things where you go back and look at Hitler, and anytime you hear about any sort of thing that Hitler did, be it good or bad, Hitler always got credit for it. You know, Hitler built the Autobahn. Hitler um, created the Volkswagen Bug. Uh, Hitler um, decided to, you know, fly a blimp into the freaking Reichstag. I don't know. Every single action that ever happened in World War II was attributed to Hitler. And, you know, obviously the buck stops with the guy, right? But, you know, at some point you sit there and you go to yourself, I mean, how much, did he, how much could he have really, like, on any given day, actually paid attention on the things he was signing and doing? I mean, I doubt it. I mean, you know, I think a lot of times he was making really bad military decisions, and I definitely think, you know, he was responsible for those, and I'm sure he was responsible for, you know... Um, ordering lots of people to the concentration camps and all that kind of stuff. But I don't necessarily think that he sat around, you know, and was just like, uh, you know, this tiger tank, I think we should build that. I think we should build the tiger tank and um, not build the, uh, with the Porsche turret, we should definitely put on the, um, the what is it, the Heinkel turret? I don't fucking know. But just guys, go ahead and do that. I'm going to go drink some beer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, bullshit. I don't think he was doing any of that crap. And so that's kind of the same thing with North Korea. I don't think the leadership in that family, you know, Kim, Kim Jong-un, is uh, sitting around going, you know, let's fire a satellite into space. I want that to happen. I, I think that they just come to him and they're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to launch a satellite into space. The people are really going to love it. It's going to be great. And he's like, really? Okay. Did you get out of the way from the TV? I'm trying to watch. So, um... You know, with that in there, it's kind of like, uh, it, he probably gets more, rea it's probably more reaction reactionary. You know, it's probably more like they come back and they're like, hey, we fired it off. And then he's like, well, what the fuck? Everybody's pissed off at us now. Oh, well, I'm, what do I, I don't know. It's, you know, America, they're bad or something. And he's like, well, we'll get Dennis Rodman here and we'll play basketball and stuff. I'm not sure. Nobody's sure exactly how that regime is actually going, you know, and, and breaking things down. The one thing, though, that I, I do find that's rather interesting, and you might find this interesting as well, is that, you know, if you look at the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, just about every communist country 
um, had rebelled or uh, voluntarily gave up communism. Uh, you know, all over the place. Every Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, uh, um, Bulgaria, Ukraine, uh, all three of the Baltic states, uh, Yugoslavia. It just goes on and on. There's, you know, Macedonia, Latvia. Um, I don't know. I can't even think of all of them. Hungary, Romania, parts of Poland. Um, yeah. They all gave it up. They all gave it up. And do you know why they gave it up? Do you know why people uh, gave up communism? Is it, you think it's because they wanted to buy blue jeans? And drive nice cars and have uh, 300 channels on their television. You know why people went out in the streets of Moscow and uh, filled the streets and the military joined them and uh, they overturned the, the uh, communists uh, that tried to reseize power when Gorbachev was out of town. Does anybody know? Do you know why? It wasn't because of, uh, of blue jeans. It wasn't because of cable TV. It wasn't because they wanted to um, see the Beatles and all that sort of stuff. All that stuff is stuff that they, you know, really kind of um, would have enjoyed, I'm sure. But uh, that really wasn't why. Um, the reason was there was no food. True. When Gorbachev was in power in the Soviet Union, uh, he had... Uh, created two programs, basically. Glasnost, which is sort of an opening up of um, information and uh, providing that to the people. Um, the idea was is that they would create, you know, sort of like you know, allow the, the press more freedom to sort of report the real news, but it sort of had a, uh, a negative effect in the sense that mostly what it did was complain about the government, uh, making people dislike the government. And then the, um, there was Perestroika, and Perestroika was the easing of, uh, you know, communist restrictions. And eventually, a lot of the um, satellite uh, states um, used that freedom to elect, to separate from the Soviet Union. And look, before Perestroika and Glasnost, um, if you were, like, say, in Czechoslovakia, and you said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm not digging this Soviet-style system. So I think what we're going to do is we're just going to open up some free market a little bit, you know, let our people cross the border, you know, get a little bit of that going on, stuff like that. And when that happened, which is something that did happen, um, immediately the Russians rolled tanks in and basically, you know, took out everybody that was revolting, like... You know, you see, you see people in the streets like in Egypt, right? And uh, you see them all like, you know, holding banners and and uh, with laser pointers and burning fires. And you'll see things like with lots of governments where, you know, you'll see revolts in the street. And you'll see police with those like clear shields and the billy club and the helmet. And then you'll see other guys with like scarves over their face and they're throwing rocks. And sometimes they're throwing, um, uh, you know, gas and occasionally cars are lit on fire and overturned, okay? And you'll see all that. And then when shit really hits the fan in those situations, 
there's bullets getting fired, right? People are dying in the streets. When the fucking Soviet Union went in, okay, they drove tanks in. So you're sitting there with your people throwing rocks, and they had a shitload of tanks. I mean, this is post-World War II. They didn't just drive in with, like, five tanks, okay? They drove in with a whole fucking army and just went in there, and if you were out, you were done. Done. You better go home because there's no... There ain't nobody listening to you, and ain't nobody going to care what you got to say. You're going to get ground down to nothing underneath the tread of a tank. And then they went in, they grabbed the leader, killed him, put somebody else in power, told everybody to shut the fuck up, and then they went back. True story. So the thing is, is that uh, once these countries had the opportunity to get out of that system, uh, they were more than eager to get out. But the reason that the Russians allowed that to take place because they didn't have any food. Russia had a badly run um, central economy because it was communist, but they also just could not manage their food. They just couldn't do it. They could not figure out how to produce enough food to feed their people. And because of the whole perestroika thing, you just had a lot of work stoppages and... Um, uh, inflationary type elements that made it uh, impossible for people to to buy anything and yes people did buy stuff they didn't just always stand in line and wait to be handed like a loaf of bread though that did happen that uh, that you know you could still go buy things because they never actually got rid of money you know the ruble was there um, as much as they wanted to get rid of it and so the people were just like well, fuck we gotta eat so they get up and they march and uh, they overthrow the government and now if you look at, like, um, in the uh, Arab Spring, you have the same sort of situation going on where, where most of this actually uh, took place, which was, like, in Tunisia. Uh, that all started because the people, um, you know, the prices on food were going up. And they, they said, the fuck this, we're going to overthrow the government because we can't afford to eat. And the same thing has happened in uh, just about every place that's had one of these riots. I mean, the reason that Egypt is lit up initially um, is, you know, these it, it, police brutality and all this sort of stuff. Be, that all sounds very glamorous and television-worthy and movies-worthy. And it sounds like something you can interview somebody about. You can sit there and go, well, can you tell us about the time the cops came and, you know, beat you over the head and, uh, you know smashed all your shit and you know some guy's gonna be like sure i guess but i mean the reason i'm here is i i can't buy any bread uh, it's hard to buy bread i mean the syrians are all leaving jordan they don't want to get shot of course but I ask him you know what's up and they're like well we got there's no food you know we can't get any food food is the is the key to if you want a successful government you need to feed your people you've got to feed them and you've got to feed all of them or there will be problems. And I think everybody out there listening can agree that if you didn't have any food, you know, you would be building weapons out of anything you've got in order to go and just, like, uh, find some. Because nobody's just going to sit around and be like, well, we're out of food. I guess we're just going to die. I guess we're just dying. That's it. We're all going to starve. I mean, obviously, if you live out in the fucking desert somewhere like Ethiopia, you know, or whatever, Somalia. And you, I mean, you, you got to get some food, but... If there is done, I don't know what you do then. you got to appeal for aid. But see, this is the thing that's interesting. This is coming all the way back now, okay? Is that all these countries rebelled, including Russia proper, and the Soviet Union collapsed. But um, the one country that didn't collapse uh, was um, 
North Korea. Uh, North Korea, um, communist style system, which has not been successful in feeding their people, has not rebelled. There's been no rebellion in North Korea. I don't think I've ever heard of any pocket resistance in North Korea at all. And, of course, they have a million-man army. But, you know, Russia had a giant army, too. Uh, and a lot of their satellite countries, with a lot of leaders that didn't give up their uh, independence, or, I mean, their communism uh, lightly, uh, had giant armies, too. And they weren't able to control them because they weren't, you know, they weren't happy. And in North Korea, if I, look, anytime you watch those videos on TV and you look at those guys marching around, I want you to pay attention and see how, uh, look for the fat guy in the group. How about that? Because you're not going to find him. Okay. They're all super thin and they're super thin and they're short because they're fucking starving. So how the fuck does that government keep power over those people i don't understand it i don't and some people come in and say well it's religion they they think the guy's a god and blah 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 look that's how all the soviet countries worked that's how they all worked every one of them they all had the same system it's the same fucking thing you know put some guy in power put giant pictures of him up tell everybody he's swell you know he was born on a mountain somewhere uh, you know, everything that he does is great, okay? And it just, everybody else, everybody else was just like, yeah, you know what, I need a sandwich, and you gotta go. I don't care if you got guns and bombs. I mean, in Syria right now, they got guns and bombs and everything else. I mean, they weren't communists. That was more like a, you know, basically it's a dictatorship. You can call it a monarchy if you want, but whatever. And, uh, you know, people are running around killing each other. And the thing is, is that... Uh, they're fighting, you know. You can't sit there and say, "Well, they get shot if they fight in North Korea," because in fucking Syria, they're getting, they could get fucking shot there. And, and if there were rebels in North Korea, don't think for a minute that we wouldn't be over there arming the fuck out of them in order to fight the fucking North Korean uh, army. And you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it what is it? What is it? I thought about this for a long time, and I thought, well, maybe it's because. They're up in the freaking cold-ass mountains and shit. Because, I mean, if you're going to have a revolt, it kind of helps, like, you know, if the weather is going to be tolerable at the time that you decide to do the revolt. And you really don't want to walk up a mountain in order to get shit done. But then I think about it, you know, and you look at, like, um, uh, Yugoslavia when it collapsed, and you had this whole little war going on. Um, they had a, you know... They had a lot of winter and cold there, too. And, uh, you know, shit happened there. I mean, you know, the whole thing divided up and everybody's like, F you, I hate you, Montenegro people. Um, but uh, North Korea doesn't happen. Now, you could also look at the fact that that was a country that basically was enslaved for generations and possibly... They were just, they're just a culture that's used to being dominated. And so, you know, part of their culture being, you know, respectful of authority and all this, maybe they, that is why they um, are the way they are. But I don't know. I don't know. Food is a 
major driver and it's hard to believe that anybody in in like goes home and sees their children starving and decides that um you know they're not going to do anything about it and i you know i, I don't i'm not saying that um you know that that makes a lot of sense like you know what i mean like you're not just gonna like run out of your house with a rock and go hit a guy in the head with it and then be like oh revolution you know because obviously you're gonna get shot down but it seems to make sense to me that if the military was starving as well and your family is starving when you go home to visit them and everybody sits around at the table eating the like um lawn clippings that they've managed to scrape off of you know um some guy's fucking backyard with bark soup, uh, that they probably sit there and go, you know, um, we gotta do something about this. You know? Why don't we all get together and, um, start a a revolt, because obviously everybody's gonna join up with us, and, uh, we could, like, put an end to this shit. And so it's, it's very, it's gotta be cultural. It's gotta be. But it's just really unusual to me that people can, um, tolerate that kind of a situation when it seems absolutely intolerable. So, either we're being lied to, and things aren't that bad over there, which is always the possibility, um, or, uh, you know, there's something else going on. Uh, you know, one of the weird sort of, you know how people always have, like, their own uh, um, sort of conspiracy theory things? You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I mean, I believe the ones that are real, you know, the ones that really happen, but I don't sit around and sort of think, you know, that there's like this Illuminati group that's going to get together and sort of uh, create a new world order and all this stuff. It's just ridiculous. But um, I do sometimes think about the fact that like, uh, you know, we live in a government or in a system, probably if you're listening to this, unless you're listening to this in Cuba or something. I mean, we, we, uh, we live in a system uh, that is a capitalist. And for the most part, capitalism has been pretty decent, right? We all have um, education and uh, healthcare, and we're t- you know we get to buy things and we get to own things, but um, you know they make uh, the um, they make communism out to be um, this absolutely horrible horrible thing, and it and it might be uh, you know it's certainly not a, a well managed system in every example that we've ever seen though. I have to wonder about the the the, the parts that I've seen, uh, and who is producing uh, those parts. And here's what I mean. Okay, if you look at what say people in Cuba have, right? Because they're a poor little island nation for the most part, and they're communist. Okay, and you look at what they have, and you look at what we have, and you sit there and you say, well, I've got you know a house, and I've got a car, and I've got it. Uh, DVDs and books and I can go on vacation and I got clothes on my back and um, you know all that right but everything I just mentioned is basically all product it's all product it's all things it's all capitalism it's all marketable product things that you buy and is that a marker of happiness is that stuff somehow determining that I'm having a more quality life simply because I have the those things. Now, obviously, I'm not saying you go live in squalor. You could have a good life without all that stuff. But what I'm saying is, is you know, I watched this documentary about different countries in Soviet times. And 
um, they interviewed people that were part of the, um, you know, living in these countries. It was East Germany, Czechoslovakia, and um, Romania, I think, was the other one. And, you know, they talked to the people in East Germany. And East Germany was probably um, one of the more modern uh, cities. Because one thing you have to keep in mind, too, about looking back on, say, Soviet times, is that previous to the Soviet Union, the vast majority of all of these places over there were um, peasants, you know, mismanaged farms, individuals living off the land somewhere, no superhighways, no power systems coming into their towns, no apartment blocks. Um, you know, you had mining, you had fishing, you had um, that kind of stuff, but you didn't have a, um, a country that was developed. And you didn't have a lot of these countries that were over on the eastern part of Europe that were well-developed, especially after World War I. Most of these places got annihilated. Um, and so, you know, you just had people in major cities. There were major cities, of course. And, um, but when you go outside of that, uh, there was just nothing. You know, it's just, you know, like anywhere, just big country and farms and things like that. But, you know, there was no sort of, like, structure behind any of it. They didn't have, like, hospitals everywhere for everybody. They didn't have schools everywhere for everybody. I mean, it was just, like, probably like how Afghanistan is in your imagination right now. And the fact that, you know... Um, not all of it was there for everyone all the time. So the, uh, so the, you know, the Soviet system had to go from virtually nothing to try and fight off Hitler and lose like 25% of their population doing battle with him, uh, in order to, um, get to where they were and, uh, compete against the United States in economics and in foreign relations and space program and military might and all this sort of stuff and you know they 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 have all this going on and obviously we've got more shit than they do you know but of course capitalism allows us to produce more bullshit than they do um but you sit there and you wonder to yourself you know um when because i was watching this program and some of the people that were being interviewed were sitting there saying to themselves, well, you know, uh, when I was, you know, pregnant and, and I had a, had a baby, I didn't have to worry about being kicked out because I couldn't pay my bills. I didn't have to worry about not eating or having um, medical assistance. I didn't have to worry about um, having heat in the wintertime um, because all of this was provided. And, you know, one of the difficulties in a capitalist society is that we're really all kind of um, uh, weighted down with the uh, notion that if we are unsuccessful, that we risk um, everything that we have, basically. I mean, you know, if you can't go to work, or you screw your work up and you're out of work, then everything you have is in danger of being removed from your premises um, and uh, now no longer being in your control. You know, bill collectors come and take what they, they want. They can garnish your wages. Um, you know, essentially strip you of, of everything that you've worked for. And all of the items that I mentioned earlier can simply be taken away. 
Uh, and, you know, in a communist system, though you don't have those items, um, you, you can get health care. You don't have to worry about uh, getting health care. You don't have to worry about um, getting food. It's an interesting thing then because, look, I'm not saying it was good health care. I'm not saying it was good food. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, the United States healthcare system isn't actually very good uh, if you look at the world um, statistics. This is better than Russia right now. So fucking lootly. But again, they didn't have the fucking infrastructure. Uh, they're a bad, they're a bad, you know, a system to look at and say, you know, well, look at them. They fucking, they didn't have anything over there. Well, yeah, because they didn't have anything over there. And I'm not saying that they necessarily would have had something great, but, you know, it's it's comparing apples to oranges in the sense that they didn't have the time to develop um, over the course of the same time as the United States did. And they did a lot of shit in that time, but not, you know, big country, man. You know, look at the map. It's fucking a lot of people way out in the middle of nowhere. Costs a lot of money to build all that shit up. So, my point is, though, okay, because it is apples and oranges, but... My point is, is that you, when you're gauging happiness, okay, how happy you are, if you don't have that weight on you, imagine what your life would be like, you know? Would you feel better knowing that, well, you know, if I don't get my job done right and my boss fires me, at least I won't lose everything. Um, that's, I don't know, that's interesting. I mean, I think you need to have that, you know, the, a little bit of that anxiety, that terror, um, but at the same time, I think most of the problems that go on in the world, most of the stress that happens in this world, it, you know, it has to, you know, in our world, it has to do with money, and it has to do with um, trying to keep uh, our heads above water all the time, looking at bills and being like, Christ, how am I going to get out of this, you know, and um, dealing with medical expenses and family expenses and um, hoping that, you know, you've got a place to live and all this sort of stuff, and I think it weighs on our on our culture um, in in makes us uh, very um, uh, protective of what we have uh, because we are worried um, that if it gets fucked up, it's you know that it's gone. Um, you know, I mean, imagine a you know imagine a scenario, okay, where. Um, in a uh, functional um, type socialist system that you get a free car, okay? Because that's actually um, what the Nazis were going to do before they decided that they were going to um, try and take over the fucking world because they're a bunch of madmen, is that when they built the Volkswagen Bug, Beetle, whatever, when they started that program, uh, they, um, they intended that to be the people's car, and everybody was going to get one free. Now, it, you know, if you got a free car today, um, you, you know, you would be like it'd be like just like everybody else's car, right? But because it came from the government, you wouldn't really care if it got too fucked up. You would just be like, well, you know, here, Jim, go drive my car to get some milk, you know? Don't crash it, ha, ha, ha. And if he did, you'd just be like, well, fuck, we'll go fill out the form and we'll get another car. Because the government will come and provide it. Where, if you loan Jim your car right now, well, you probably won't because, you know, Jim's a bad driver and you're going to tell him no and Jim's going to get offended and then you're going to be like, well, dude, I want to want you fucking my car up because it's the only car I have and he's going to be like, well, I'm not going to fuck it up but you're going to make me walk and, you know, then you got to drive him or something and 
then he's fucking gonna, you know, poke a seat in your, poke a hole in your seat, and you're gonna be mad about it, or you can apply this to just about anything, you know? I mean, how often do you loan your shit out to people because you're afraid, like, you might not get it back, or, um, you know, it's not like you're going to go out and be like, hey, why don't you, hey, hobo person, why don't you come live with me in my house? Because the guy will come in and fuck everything up and steal shit and everything else. And, um, it would be, but if you had this baseline system, uh, I think it would be different. I just think that the culturally people would be more open. They would just be more like, hey, we're all in this together. We all have the same things. You know, let's all get together and drink vodka and dance. Um, I'm, of course, making light of it. I realize all of the horrors of um, communism. Believe me, I do. I, I just think that um, capitalism is an interesting thing that, um, you know, maybe our society needs to have a uh, division in the sense of, um, like, let me give you this as an example, okay? Imagine a scenario where you get a choice. Um, you're getting paid and um, from your job, and you get the choice of either um, doing what you're doing now, going to work, paying your bills, paying for your health care, paying for school, and all that good stuff. And then going out and buying whatever the fuck you want with the money that you have. Or you could choose to live off of the government, right? And a lot of people do that now. I know people are thinking that. Hey, a lot of people do that now. What the fuck? But it would be more like based on like sort of like a communist system in the sense that you are told where to live and you're provided food. And you're provided medical care, stipulated by the government of what you get. And here's the trick. Here's the clever part. You have to go to work, but you don't get all your money. You get a little bit of money. A little bit so you can buy some things. I mean, you can't just not, because people have to have some motivation to go in. But, you know, uh, uh, the rest of the money that you make, your employer has to pay to the government in order to, for the government to help pay for all the bills the free education and the free healthcare and all this stuff. And you can switch it at any time. You can switch back and forth at any time. So if you start making like better money at work and you decide, you know what, I don't want to live in the public housing system anymore. Um, I want to, you know, upgrade out. I'm going to switch over to, um, the, you know, the capitalist system and get out of the communist system and, um, you know, live my life that way. And then at the same time, if you're in a situation where, kind of like what we had with the economic collapse, and people have to like leave their houses and everything, they might sit there and say, you know what, I think I'm going to join the communist system right now because I can't find work, but I have a family, they have to go to school, they need medical care, i got to give them a place to live, and while I'm looking you know, for a job, I'll, um, I'll be here. But, again, under my system, you got to go to work. Meaning you're going to go to work. There's going to be somebody that comes and gives you a job every day and you're going to go work that job. And it's going to be a bullshit job that you're probably not going to like, but you're going to fucking do it because you're getting all this shit for free. And people will then feel motivated to get out of that system and get into the capitalist system. Then you just get rid of all of the people that are sort of milking the system on the side 
because they're just collecting checks and not doing anything. I don't know. I think, I think though, that really what's interesting about that is the safety net. I think the safety net in the United States blows ass. I think that you have to basically be in poverty in order to get it. And so if you worked your whole life for a whole bunch of things and your employer decides one day to drop you and uh, you find yourself in a situation where you're no longer valuable um, for hiring, uh, this whole talk about retraining and stuff, it gets hard because a lot of employers just don't want to hire old people. And old people um, have a much more difficult time finding work. I mean, the thing is, is it's like a lot of corporations these days want to hire kids right out of college. Um, you hear about the fact, you know, news and stuff, and say, well, you got to get job experience in order to get a job. Well, no, I mean, not really. Uh, the, the reality is, is that major companies want to get, you know, highly educated people out of college immediately so they can begin grooming them in the positions that they want in. I mean, if you get a kid out of school, you don't have to pay him very much. And you can, like, completely give them the grind on hours in order to get, like, a significant amount of work out of them in order to, um, you know, basically take their best years and put it towards the work in your company. If you hire a 50-year-old guy, you know, you're going to get a guy with a lot of experience and he's going to have some solutions for stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, he's going to be tired and he's going to be, you know, not as uh, eager to work 20-hour uh, days and all that other crap that goes on. And, uh, you know, he's going to be around the block more than a few times, so he's going to know what he, he has to do and what he doesn't have to do, and he can cause you problems. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, look, if you're a manager and you're, like, 30 years old, let's say you're a 30-year-old manager, do you really want to hire the 50-year-old guy? Do you? Because if that guy is smart and he knows what he's doing, he might take your fucking job from you. But the 19-year-old the kid or the 20-year-old kid or whatever... I ain't going to get you a job. Nobody's going to give that kid a job. So you hire the kid. You don't hire the 50-year-old guy. And so, um, you know, we end up in a society where uh, things get kind of, um, it gets hard for people when they get older. And I think that a lot more of that is going to take place. Because, you know, a lot of these uh, baby boomers and things, um, they go into retirement age and they keep working. Because um, it's just the... the uh, how their generation is, I guess, you know, they don't see themselves just taking it easy and sitting back and drinking out of a pineapple on the beach anywhere. Uh, people want to keep working and they get to collect their social security and they get to keep their job. And a lot of times they get to keep their job in uh, a state of power, which enables them to take away a job that would normally go towards somebody younger. You know, I mean, look at Warren Buffett, for instance. I mean, there's the guy, he's, I don't know, 115 years old. He's still doing what he's doing. Um, people like him there, you know, they like him being in that position, but, uh, realistically, the guy's got, like, you know, a fucking fortune, uh, he should just retire, I mean, it's enough, you know, go do what Bill Gates is doing, I guess, and go run a charity or something, but let some other guy come up and fuck the company up or something, but allow people to move up in rank, and it just doesn't happen, doesn't happen, people just don't retire as much anymore, so you gotta wait for the old codgers to die, and because the damn, uh, um, whatever, ex life fucking expiration date. I can't think of the word I'm looking for here. Sorry. Um, people are living longer. And and so, you know, people are waiting longer. And, and uh, you know, you, you end up holding these middle management jobs for forever. And it doesn't work. And, and I don't know. The capitalist system has some real challenges. 
And I think it's just going to get worse. I think that, um, you know, a lot of times capitalism turns, it turns back into socialism because people are not being taken care of by the capitalist system. And so they then cling to socialist ideas in order to apply uh, the safety net that they want. And I really think that the, um, the government needs to come up with a way to sort of divide uh, the capitalist system versus the socialist system so that the people can um, sort of um, feel like they have somewhat of a safety net so that they don't fear as much in their lives and when you reduce that fear in people's lives I think you'll bring the tension level down I think that um, crime and things will go down I think that violence will go down because people will be you know comfortable in their situation much more than they were um, living on the edge which is what we're all sort of doing um, because if we all suddenly had a stroke and we couldn't do what we were doing anymore, but we were still alive. Our lives are going to get all fucked up. And it could all just end up being in the trash can. Everything that we just worked our, our butts off for. So, I don't know. It's just stuff to think about. But North Korea, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'd be interested to hear what you think about it, though. Feel free to write into the show, uh, oblast at videogamenews.com. And uh, I'll read your email on the air. So... Let me think. Lately, I've been playing a lot of Ouya. I've been playing a lot of consoles. If you get a chance to get on um, YouTube, you can see a lot of the playthrough videos I've been doing. YouTube.com forward slash Victor Greg Norman. That's a VGN network. So YouTube.com forward slash VGN network. And uh, you will then be able to watch um, all the playthroughs that I've been playing on games. I Hopefully, you will find some of them rather funny. Because uh, I try to make them funny. And also we have a lot of the video game news radio shows up on there now. So um, it's a good source to get them. We've been updating the RSS feeds for both shows. Uh, we do have the um, video game news radio Android app uh, up on um, Amazon. And the Oblast app up on Amazon. And they're also now available for Windows Phone 8. So if you go on to the Windows Phone 8 marketplace and you do a search for... well. I'm not 100% sure about Oblast yet, but I do know that Video Game News Radio is on there. And you might have to either do a search for Video Game News Radio um, with a space between each word, video space, game space, news space, radio, or VGN Radio. I don't have Windows Phone 8. I have a 7.8. I am planning on buying an 8. Um, I really like the new Lumia 1020 phone, the 46-pixel uh, Zoom. Nokia did some kind of alien technology with that phone it has um some incredible like i don't know if you've seen the videos for this thing but like they take a picture of a haystack and then they can it's like with digital zoom they can zoom and zoom and zoom and zoom until they find like the needle in the haystack and then they zoom in more and they can see like the eye of the needle in the haystack um they're using some kind of alien technology for this camera it's really slick and a lot of the Nokia apps that are built around cameras, like if you're a person that likes to take pictures, I really suggest looking at um, some of the Nokia uh, Windows phones. Even if you don't like the OS, um, if you know somebody that has one of those phones, take a look at the Nokia apps that they provide for free uh, if you um, go into like the marketplace on one of those phones. And look at all of the, um, the apps that they provide for free uh, that are owned by Nokia and the fact that a lot of them are... Um, 
built around um, photography. And a lot of it's really cool. I mean, they got some really, really cool stuff. And I've had an HTC phone um, in the past, and they didn't have anywhere near the number of apps. Same with Samsung. Um, Nokia just has some sort of crazy development that goes on where they make their own native apps for their phones. And they're, they're cool, man. They're, there's some cool stuff that they've got. It's, um, it's really sweet. So I like to buy the phone. The only problem with that phone right now is it just came out. I mean, I think it came out like today. And so um, an unlocked one is like $700, ouch. And um, if your contract is like um, up for renewal, you could get it from AT&T for another two-year contract for $300. Not two, $300. Um, so it's just a little bit pricey right now. I just can't, I can't talk myself into it, you know? I mean, I, I just can't. I can't be like, well, I get more megapixels from my one phone to this phone. And it's kind of like, yeah. I'd have to get something else in there, man. I'd have to get like um, like an update to Windows Mobile or something. Like they'd have to be like, oh, it's 8.5 and it now includes satellite radio or something. I'm like, oh, okay, I get this. Um, yeah, but not so much right now. So doing that, uh, I've been playing with the PlayStation emulator on the Ouya. It works really good uh, in case you were curious. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, you can download ROMs, put it on the Ouya. Works like a champ. Stick them on a USB stick, put it in the back. Got the game controller, kick back and play some really shitty old fucking horrible PlayStation games um, that you probably, if you had a PlayStation, you wouldn't want to blow the dust off of them to play any of them. But if nostalgia suits you, they're there. I did start playing uh, an old Commodore 64 game called Questron, and I got really excited. I was like, hey, I remember this game. This is great. Started playing it, got into a town. I was like, yeah, I remember this town, you know, went over to start buying stuff, and then the game crashed out. And I was like, well, so much for that fucking emulator, you know. Eh, it's just one of those things. Questron was actually... See, Commodore 64, for those people that don't know um, or don't remember anymore because it was so fucking long ago, um, they, you know, that was a really weak system. It had a 1 megahertz processor. It had 16 colors on... Uh, like a 40 column screen or something it it was um i don't even know what the graphic resolution was i mean it, you know it's just fucking awful uh and you know and it had some sound and everything and it so it had challenges okay it just had challenges 64k of memory and all that sort of stuff so um a lot of people when they were building these video games had to come up with some really like uh clever hacks to make the games tolerable to play. And they did really cool stuff. I mean, they did. They did really cool stuff. Um, you know, sometimes they would use, like, the microprocessor inside the um, inside the disk drive uh, in order to uh, help cache stuff before any of this sort of technology even existed. You know, they wrote their own, like, routines in order to, to manage all this stuff so they could stream stuff right off the disk so you could keep playing without the game breaking into loading all the time. And... They would, um, they would have music, and, and music would be so complicated, they didn't want to have it all stuck in memory because, you know, 64K is all you got, and you can't just, like, um, fill it up with all these tunes, so they would stream the tunes off of the floppy disk. and uh, They did a lot of cool things like that. So, you know, when a game crashes out like this on an emulator, I kind of I kind of understand why. Like, if you're still not getting it, let me give you an idea of one thing. The... Um, the sound chip inside the Commodore 64 would actually produce different sounds based on if it was warm or not, uh, like heated up. 
so that the some of the musicians that actually utilize the sound chip would actually use routines that would change the temperature of the chip in order to produce different sounds. That's some crazy shit. That shit don't go on today, okay? You know what I mean? Nobody's doing that kind of crazy work with microchips anymore for making video games. Nobody's squeezing the rock, you know, the blood out of the rock with any kind of game console like they did back in those days. I mean, that shit, I tell you what, nuts. I mean, you want to see crazy. Go back and look at, um, you know, go online and do like a cursory Google search. Look for Atari 2600 games, right? Just take a couple looks at them and uh, see what they look like. They look like crap. Okay, four colors, shitty graphics and stuff. And then look at um, uh, summer games, winter games for the Atari 2600. Um, 2K. That's what that's what the memory address was for the Atari 2600. I believe it was 2K. And um, Epics, who are no longer around, somehow got that shit. I don't know how people did it back then, man. It's crazy. It's crazy shit. But uh, it's interesting. So, yeah, there's been some of that. And um, I had to buy a new pool pump for my pool. Um, got a two-horsepower instead of the one-horsepower. And I don't know what I was thinking, really. I... I I, I was thinking, you know, well, you know, move the water around faster because the one pump I had wasn't doing so good, which is true. But, um, and I had like this elbow joint that would push the water sort of sideways. You want it to kind of do that in a pool because, you know, you want the water to sort of swirl. So you're moving the stuff on the back of the pool back around to the front. It's a round pool. So it comes back around and gets into like the, um, the intake. So it gets all cleaned. Well, the elbow joint ended up pointing straight up at some point into the air and all the water just blasted out of the pool like a giant fountain so i had to take that off and now it's just a big like pipe hole or whatever blasting water into my pool but hey works great i don't know what do i know i buy a fucking pool pump connect it see what happens that's it don cease is coming over tomorrow he's gonna sell me his generator um it used to be his father's i think it's 16 is it 16,000 watts? That sounds like too much. Maybe it is. Um, it's kind of expensive, so it might be 16,000 watts. Uh, and um, it's gas-powered. It's fairly big. Both of us are going to have to lift it and get it into my car. And then uh, we're going to try and hook it up to the house. And the way you do that is... Well, this is not recommended because it's absolutely, totally fucking dangerous. Um, is you go over to your fuse box and you switch off the mains to the house. So basically, you shut off the whole house. And then you go over to where your dryer is and you take off the uh, the plug on the 220 cable on the dryer. Um, and then you plug the generator into the 220 cable of, of the uh, power outlet. And that actually will um, backfeed your house and provide power to your entire house from the generator. Why is this dangerous? Well... There's a couple of reasons. The first is, is that you might accidentally forget to shut the mains off of the house. And if you forget to do that in the course of a blackout or, you know, um, some other electrical failure um, that would cause you to decide to do this, um, there's the potential that a lineman could be working on the line thinking that the line going to the house is dead and meanwhile, you're energizing it with the generator and you could kill a lineman doing that. So most of the time it's outlawed. They don't let you do this sort of thing. But I'll tell you what, um, you, if you were a lineman 
you're pretty much I, I gotta believe that you're pretty much always switching off both sides of the line the line coming from the power company and the line going to the houses when you're fixing the line because I mean unless you're working right on the line right on the house itself because the um, the reality of that situation is such that um, today you know forget generators I mean the thing is, is people have solar panels and they have wind turbines at their houses among other things and they are backfeeding because when you backfeed power up the line um, the power company usually uh, meters that out and provides a credit on your bill if you have one of those processes and so since so many people are doing that today I tend to believe that linemen now don't take any chances and cut off both sides of the line still it's a dangerous thing to do so um, a lot of times they want you to get an automatic transfer switch and I'm not against that idea. I, I actually talked to my electrician buddy um, about putting one of those in because I was like, I'll pay for it. I don't, I, don't, I don't care. And he was just like, nah, he's just, he's just like, just shut the main off and connect that thing. Save yourself some money. Now, to give that guy some credit, how often am I going to use the fucking generator? Probably next to never. I mean, the most I've had the power go out since I've lived here in the past three years has been, the longest time has been about four or five hours. And it was in the middle of the night anyway. And I'm not going to go outside and turn on a loud ass lawnmower sound fucking generator to power up my house in the middle of the night the only time that might have made sense is when we had that big blackout that happened um it would be cool to have it for a situation like that but primarily i'm just getting it for disaster um preparedness um and they have power outlets on them already so you don't even have to do this 220 back back um back back feed you you just can connect extension cords to the to the power outlets on the generator and then plug in all your components that you need, your refrigerator, your freezer and everything, keep everything going that way. And so, you know, in a lot of cases, I'll probably do that. Um, but anyway, we're going to fuck around with it tomorrow and hopefully not get electrocuted and get killed. So that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, pretty much that. And... I built a new gaming PC a while ago. I don't know if I haven't mentioned that. Um, put in a Radeon 7970 in it, you know, so I can play everything like maximum and um, got like a quad core something or other processor. I don't even know anymore. 1800 gigs of RAM. Uh, no, but I don't know. So, you know, the problem is summer and uh, my office is not that big at home. I have like a little office. It's just a spare bedroom basically. Um, it's a, the tiniest one in the house. Um, and uh, so it gets really hot. That's the point I'm trying to point out. It, it, you know, because the computers start blowing out all the heat. And I actually have a server in here um, that's always on. And uh, for whatever reason, it's constantly um, blowing hot air out of it. I, I, hardly anything even runs on it. I think it's like a website runs on the damn thing. Um, but whatever, it's fucking just, it's frying ass. Then um, I have like, you know, stacks of USB drives and I have a home server and I don't know, man. I got a lot of shit in here. So it's too warm this time of year to sit in and play PC games. I've been playing a lot of console, um, which is cool. You know, going to be interesting when winter comes around. We got the new Xbox One and the uh, PlayStation 4, though I'm not expecting to see, uh, like, you know, I've lived through enough console game generations, you know, system generations now that I kind of know that the launch titles are basically going to blow. You know, we might get, like, one good game out of it or something. Um, but, you know, and then you got to wait, like, a year before stuff starts trickling in again. Uh, it's not, not really all that um, enthusiastic about what I'm going to get, but it'll be interesting to see how the new consoles are. Um, 
kind of go from there with it. Uh, there's probably more. I can't really think of it all right now. But, um, you know, I want to kind of have that conversation. It was just something that's been on my mind. I kind of threw it out there. Uh, people wrote in and, you know, asked about it and just thought I'd kind of touch base on it. Um, so, thought it, hope you've, hopefully you thought it interesting. I mean, the point of this show has always been just to get your wheels burning in your head. I'm not trying to be right all the time or have all the answers to anything. I just want to kind of get you thinking and, um, you know, have you come up with your own things in your own head and kind of put some ideas in there. I just kind of want to sprinkle some seed around, uh, let some ideas bloom for some interesting conversation that you might have with the people around you to kind of get you, you know, stop talking about Rihanna and uh, Chris Brown and all that kind of bullshit that the media is always trying to pump into you and uh, try and give you some kind of conversational topics that uh, matter and things that you can talk to people about and, um, I don't know, kind of uh, broaden your uh, thought process there. So that's about it. Thanks for listening. I'll hopefully do more of these more often. But, you know, how it is with me and Kevin's Old Less Radio. It's just more spontaneous than anything else. Thanks for listening. Definitely check out YouTube.com forward slash VGN Network for everything that we're doing these days. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Take it easy. Good night. <laughs>